I'm Charlie Taylor. I'm Ben Carver on Hip Hop by the Numbers on Twitter. <laughs> Use Hip Hop Statistics to highlight the bigger picture. And I'm Drew to the Fifth Element. We'll highlight Fifth Element Hip Hop, which is knowledge. And since they're going to recycle, I might as well do it as well. Mm-hmm. To make everybody see, in order to fight the powers that be. They do love a good recycle. Love a recycle. Rinse, repeat. In the least derogatory way of saying rinse, repeat to one of the greatest music groups of the past 50 years. Hi, Ben. How's the week been? What have you listened to this week? Uh, this week, so I listened to uh, a couple of albums, not heaps. Um, Backward Sweetie dropped. I didn't actually get to spin it yet, but I really want to. I just wanted to mention it because I think everyone should go listen to Black ba- Backward Sweetie. Uh, Second Gen Woo and Dom Archie dropped, and yeah, it's okay. It's all right. I I think it's okay. I'd be interested to see how the people feel about that one. Yeet dropped. Um, yeah, solid, man. It's really solid. I think I came on here and criticized Yeet's last album and said that it was... Uh, it just felt... Un- look. I'm not saying Geet sounds like the most inspired artistic individual in the world. It's not like he's out here fucking painting the Mona Lisa, is he? He's not doing something special. But his last album did sound even more uninspired. And this one actually sounded like he was really, I don't know, he was locked in. He had some sort of focus and concept. It sounds very, very futuristic, very otherworldly. I really do think that, um, you know, he inhabited the title quite well, so... Shout out Yeet on that. Shout out Yeet. Conway and Big Ghost dropped, and that was very, 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 very good. Um, I think that was it for me. I don't think I listened to much else. I'm trying to look through here. I can see Charlie's eating a sandwich over there. I'm trying to think about the albums I listened to. <laughs> no, it doesn't look like I listened to any other albums this week. So, that was me, Charlie. What about yourself? I appreciate the story. I eat my nod. Um... Um, so i only got into three this week i've had a pretty busy week um i've got four in the chamber still um, ready to go now so i had two now i have four i feel like it's gonna just double up every time now um but yeah so um fatima with uh love on acid um a little interesting um i guess uh interesting titling i guess um, on that front but um, yeah so four pack Pretty solid. I like um, the first track, especially Donuts, Waffles, Sweet Grief. Interesting title for that. Um, but yeah, really solid project. Uh, little, little EP right there. Very solid. Um, Old Burger Beats. One of the best names in the game. 74 out of time. Um, is kind of apt that he names himself that because that's very close to his actual name. Um, I'm assuming he's somewhere from... Uh, well, <laughs> assuming. He's somewhere from Europe. I don't know where. Um, but yes, it's funny just seeing his actual name and then seeing Old Burger Beats, which is, is very close. Anyway, um, if you haven't listened to Old Burger Beats before, um, I think he's actually very underrated as a producer. Um, I feel his, his work is of the ilk of, you know, kind of like this, um, uh, just, you know, soft samples, but thick bassy drums kind of thing going on, um... 
and really good features on here. Um, Lil B and Vic Spencer on one track. Uh, mm. A1, Pink Sifu, <coughs> Il Camille's on here a couple of times. Billy Woods, Young Morpheus, Quelle uh, Chris, um, Cooley High, shout out to Cooley High, and uh, a myriad of others. And um, yeah, I really actually enjoy this project. It's um, one of my favorites so far um, of the year. And um, yeah, it's just. Um, yeah, one of the best hip hop projects this year, I think. Um, just in you know, simply obviously him on the on the boards doing the production, but these features come through, and uh, I feel like everybody just uh, makes a good stamp makes a good stamp on it. Um, Count your blessings with Loji is really good. I like that one, and uh, the aforementioned How I Live with Lil B and Vic Spencer, Full of Family with A One, Out of Time with Lil Camille. Black Sabbath with Billy Woods and uh, a couple others. That was really good. So, yeah, man, really good album. Really good. Listen. And lastly, Shea Universe with uh, Love's Letter. Um, I saw Shea Universe live um, uh, last year um, at the Jazz Cafe. And um, it's interesting because I thought, in anticipation of this, I kind of, well, saw coming in some ways that it was going to be, you know, more R&B focused than most of her work. Um, she's primarily that, I would say, but, you know, she can spit bars as well. She's done a bit of rapping here and there, especially live, and I think on her previous project, uh, I think a couple of years ago now. Um, so, you know, she's not she's not against um, spitting some bars. But this is firmly, firmly, firmly grounded in R&B. Um, a lot of relationship talk, a lot of self-love kind of talk as well, um, and I'm here for that. Love the artwork, which is um, very, very reminiscent of that one Lauryn Hill picture. If you see the artwork for this album, you get what I'm talking about. Um, very reminiscent of that, and I'm here for that. Uh, but yeah, really good album, man. Really good solid album. Um, about 35-ish minutes, so it comes and goes pretty quickly. Um, and... Um, yeah, I really value Jay Universe. We're one of the best um, upcoming artists, I think, um, especially in the R&B space. Um, always cooking some good stuff, um, and uh, yeah, yeah, look, uh, good, good, good debut album, uh, good output on that front. So, with that said, we shall finish up our Public Enemy uh, three-parter. Uh, finally, at the final stretch, and we're in the pretty much the final decade, or from '09-ish, I guess, to now, um, and. Uh, <laughs> and the and the myriad of no, no wordplay no wordplay names anymore. Now it's long ass names. Yay! That's what we're doing. We're doing long ass album names. That's that's the that's the new motif um, for for this one. So um, I feel like this decade will be uh, acronyms. Yeah, I feel like that should that's the new one. The public mm-hmm. enemy should go into acronyms. Done long names. Done wordplay al- uh, wordplay album names. And now we have uh, we'll probably. I'm betting have uh, acronym names because mm. why uh, why the hell not? But anyway, with that said, we shall move on to that. Ben, what have you got for us? Yeah, I think it's important to check back in where we left part two because you know they were transitioning previously. into previously on digging in the digits. Public Enemy were transitioning into the 2000s, one of the wildest eras in hip hop history. It was a lawless place where Soldier Boy and Jay Z could drop a classic in the same year. You could go platinum off a fucking ringtone. Like, I remember that shit. It was weird. It was the final act of the commercialization of hip-hop. Groups who were socialist and anti-capitalist were replaced by a million-dollar videos. Chris Dow, you know, Lil Wayne with a hit song called Got Money. People talk about hip-hop not being political before, and we've discussed that ad nauseum on the pod. But the truth is, political bars were 
a long, 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 long way behind so many other things that were important in the 2000s. But politics did not seem to be very important. Eminem did have a few, you know, <clears throat> political songs on major albums, but Public Enemy, like having like a whole ecosystem of groups and artists like Public Enemy, just, it, it didn't exist in the mainstream. So, you know, in the last episode, I wanted to track their commercial collapse, and I think we did that quite well. This episode might be a little bit less exciting because, you know, Public Enemy had already gotten rid of the fame and the fortune and stuck to their truth the whole time. And all that was left for them to was to kind of live by their words. Now, Flavor Flav made that a little bit difficult because Flavor of Love debuted on January 1, 2006. It made a full three seasons. <laughs> which is wild for a dating show, but I love Flavor Chicken of Love. Chicken in the microwave. <laughs> I love Flavor of Love, man. I used to oh watch that God. show all the fucking time. It was so much fun. Peak 2000s reality TV. <laughs> so much, bro. It's an MTV. So, Flav had form. So, during a hiatus from music in the early 2000s, he participated in The Surreal Life, which is a reality show that literally just gets a bunch of celebrities, throws them in a house and films them. It's boring as fuck, but people really loved it. And apparently Flav was amazing. He was very quirky, always had his jewelry. He was always the center of attention. So the surreal life went so well that they gave Flav and his love interest, Bridget Nielsen, their own show, which was called Strange Love. And you also have to remember that Flav was not 21 during all of this. Okay, this was 20 years ago, and Flav is currently 64 years old. So this was mid-40s Flav of Flav with a fucking renaissance, man. He was on talk shows. He was being interviewed. He was a massive deal in the mid-2000s. He chose 2005 to drop his debut album, uh, Hollywood, his debut solo album, which is a strong indication of where Flav's heart lay during this period. Like, he was enjoying the attention, I assume. You know, he was on talk shows. He was, he was lapping it up. He was owning the 2000s. And honestly, that makes their 2007 sorry, album and title and treatment a little bit more wild. So we have How You Sell Soul to a Soulless People Who Sold Their Soul, which is a lovely, lovely title. It's one of my favorite fucking album titles ever. But, you know, it's like Flavor's fucking like pandering to the soulless people like me i was soulless in the mid 2000s sitting there watching flavor of love just soulless like do you know what i mean it's just a weird mix i don't know what you mean oh okay um, i'm off base but, uh, i'm completely <laughs> off off base <laughs> it happens a lot Bucking on the wrong tree geezer um but yeah uh i feel like flavor flavor this point um is a kind of a prototype to you know the likes of Snoop Dogg now where I see Snoop Dogg in an advert for like Just Eat and I'm just like this is actually one of the sickest adverts I've ever seen um <laughs> and um, I don't I mean that completely unironically if you if you know you know if you know the Snoop Dogg Just Eat uh, advert you know what I'm talking about it fucking slaps right and, you know, obviously, uh, even around this time, Snoop Dogg had his own reality show, um, which I, for some reason, watched, um, Snoop Dogg's Fatherhood. And um, that was pretty solid, as reality TV shows go, um, you know. But, yeah, I feel like Flavor Flav had a hand in that of just, funny enough, ironically, commercialising hip-hop to the point where, you know, hip-hop has changed forever. Um and having being the eccentric character obviously lent towards that and people love freaks to be you know completely real with you people just love watching freaks do freak shit and 
watching a mid forties Flavor Flav still with his big ass clock on his chest, um, watching women trying to cook. Uh, uh, trying to cook for him and one of them puts a chicken in a fucking microwave honestly bro I can't get over that fucking clip that's the best clip ever I haven't watched any Flavor of Love apart from that and it's the best I don't need any more it's a big say less moment I'm just like that's cool that's great that's amazing huh. it's perfect um, but anyway yeah so the recording time between this is actually 03 to 07 which is kind of fascinating mm-hmm. and I don't know what I don't know whether that I mean to put simply, I'm not really a fan of this album at all. Um, the Flav Flav elements in this, I'm not really a fan of. I feel like uh, every track that has Flav Flav majority in it, I'm not, I'm not really into. Um, you know, Harder Than You Think is a track that has um, grown, has it has its own legacy in some ways, um, here in the UK especially, um, in use of the, uh, as a theme song for the, talk show The Last Leg if you guys um, are aware of that show you know it's been going on for a while um, and also is the music for um, the Paralympics um, by Channel 4 and has been since 2012 I think so you know in the UK it's kind of gained this interesting status um, as a song and I do like the song um, itself as uh, on its own, um, but yeah, it's just it's taken an interesting, um, an interesting um, space. Um, but yeah, honestly, bro. Apart from that, uh, the only track I really like is maybe Escapism. Um, yeah, maybe Escapism. I think is the one track I like. <laughs> uh, yeah, Long and Winding Road, I guess, is okay. But yeah, I don't know. It's just um, it's a track I don't really. Um, I kind of just it kind of just went. In, uh, in one ear and out the other. Um, I wasn't really that into it as a listen. I feel um, yeah, there just wasn't many things that grabbed me um, throughout the throughout the album's time. Uh, so, yeah, it's pretty much it on my side. I uh, I just love the title, man. I really love the title. So, I, I think... <laughs> look, I think... Let me just hop up on my nihilistic bandwagon. This is the analysis you guys yeah. ask for, okay? This is this is what you cover for every week. Yeah, yeah. Ben likes the title. <laughs> so, it's just all about the title. So, Public Enemy with this cool. album title, I think, summed up one of the problems with modern society. If you replace em- soul with empathy or compassion, then I think that's the answer. How do you sell compassion to people who actively choose every single day of their lives to be compassionless? Because, you know, every time you're posting about Palestine or Ukraine or some very worthy cause, you're asking people who don't care about anyone but themselves to care about anyone but themselves. So it's just not going to happen. So, you know, <clears throat> with PE saying this, I thought it was really fascinating. I thought it was a really fascinating concept for an album, especially for a group who knows exactly how to sell things to people. You know, they're very famous, they're very successful, especially uh, in terms of business. You know, if you listen to Chuck D's interviews, he talks a lot about uh, that kind of side of things of hip hop and how tapped in he is into that. Um, you know, in terms of Public Enemy, I really like the way that Pitchfork described their 2000s output. Um, it said that Public Enemy has entered a productive reclusion on their 11th full-length album. And I was like, productive reclusion. And I like that because that was different from how they were talking about in the early 2000s where they were like, oh, Public Enemy's washed because they didn't go number one on the Billboard 200. Now they're like, well, they, they've left the, the mainstream spotlight by this point, you know, actively by their own choice. You know, when they left FJM in the late 90s, it was, you know, they were like, all right. So this productive reclusion, I see them as just being productive whilst, you know, not being in the mainstream spotlight. 
you know, I don't think that title had anything to do with personal despair because on this record, Chuck D raps, thank you for letting us be ourselves. And that's the truth. You know, they may not have been setting sales records, but this album still charted in the UK and it was received very well by critics. Packaging is stunning, by the way. And Chuck D really went all out. And, you know, he did a lot of the illustrations himself. And it felt like to me on this album, they'd entered their own echo chamber knowingly and decided to stay there for a while. Because, you know, that's the whole point of the title. PE is done trying to change the world. They already did that multiple times in the 1980s. And it's just not the landscape for them anymore in 2007. So if you look at their mainstream 2000 rap, like who even comes close to PE's level of politics and socially conscious content? Like there's no one. As I said, Eminem dropped a couple of tracks here and there. Uh, but, you know, he always made sure to hold the hand of the biggest idiot in the room when he did it so as to appeal to the widest audience possible. Lupe, not really. Kanye, a little bit, but more so outside of music. It's not a contest. So there was no there was no mainstream market for PE anymore. So they went insular, and I really like that. And I think this record, to me, I really, really, really enjoyed this record a lot. Um, yeah, man, this is my favorite record of theirs since the mid-'90s, and it might be my favorite of any of their later career albums, actually. I just... I just really enjoyed it. I gravitated towards it. And we get most of my heroes still don't appear on no stands. Well, funny you say that um, in terms of, uh, you know, classifying um, it's your favorite since, obviously, you know, let's just say their first four albums. Um, because I feel like most of my heroes and also the next one in e- Evil Empire of Everything, which has been... Um, which was kind of, I guess, um, smashed together as a kind of like double album or a staggered double album. Um, mm. Stamp came out in July and Evo Empire of Everything came out in October. Um, but it's kind of been packaged as like a, a, a two sides of the same coin kind of thing going on. Fraternal Twins, uh, Chuck D calls it, mm-hmm. references it as. And um, I find that interesting. Um but past that, I really enjoy both of these albums. To be honest, um, I feel <clears throat> uh, I feel these um, they are they are tight. They don't really um, they don't stay too long. Uh, excuse me. Um, this one, most of my heroes, is uh, forty eight minutes, and I feel that's really kind of perfect. Um, the the features on here really do well here for me. Um, my brother Ali on Get Up Stand Up really enjoyed that Bumpy Knuckles on Get It In Large Professor and Cormega on Catch the Throne really good track um, kind of not too into real talk with DMC um, they go they go for this um, obviously like uh, no swearing kind of uh, uh, I don't know they just they just show the age um lyrically i feel in 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 that sense uh it's a bit it's a bit of an odd one for me but yeah fast food truth decay love the messaging there really kind of simple in a lot of ways um but yeah i really i like this album i like this album and the one after it um well fuck it i'm doubling it up so i'm doubling it up but yeah i really like the other one uh, the second one as well um in empire of everything i feel I think this is probably my favorite out of the out of the, out of the you know post nineties uh, yeah post nineties era um, or post eighties nineties um, yeah I, I, I'm I'm really I was really uh, messing with this one um, uh, yeah thirty one flavors I was into uh, don't got the fight with Ziggy Marley I think that was an interesting feature uh, the 
one and two piece respect with David DMX on the second one. Beyond Trayvon was interesting, um, and obviously this is uh, this is very, I think, uh, I think this is very charged as an album. Um, uh, I think the uh, the fact that it was at this point uh, references you know twenty five years of Public Enemy. Um, this is around the same time as Trayvon Martin as well. So there was a lot of um, I think there was a lot of material that could have that there was um, take a lot of inspiration taken here um, for these two albums. So uh, yeah, man, I, I like I like both of these albums um, very equally. Uh, I think the features in the production are very solid on both, and um, yeah, man, it's a it's an interesting twofer. I feel, I feel. Yeah, it's interesting. This the first one was actually released July thirteenth, twenty twelve, but only on iTunes. So the CDs only came November six, which was actually a month after the Evil Empire of Everything, which is so weird. Because like, anyway, it was just odd. So Chuck D told Melissa Locker about the album. It's actually a statement that first came out in Fight the Power. The job of a songwriter is to illuminate some discussion on things that probably wouldn't be talked about, uh, to understand that my realm is in popular culture, not in lawmaking and breaking. We make suggestions and hopefully the social sphere will be able to turn them into real things. And that was about the title. And, you know, there was actually like quite a lot of talk about it. Um, they just engaged in a discussion about whether hip hop stamps will ever exist, which I think is about as niche as you could possibly get in an interview in 2012, like where there'll be hip hop stamps. Like that's crazy. In an interview with Golden Pleck, he said, in regular life, 25 years isn't a long time, but it is a long time in the music business. There's been a lot of change. Why aren't we hearing musicians making statements anymore? We don't hear enough artists speaking out. Every artist has to say something that matters, but music is a business with accountants, managers, who turn music into a mass product and not its own living organism. And this is a landscape P were thrust into in the early 90s and publicly removed themselves from the late 90s. And, you know, all of the talk around this album in interviews was the existential state of hip-hop, which is very interesting to think about. Although, honestly, reading these interviews and listening to the music and kind of linking back up with my echo chamber statement from the previous album, that's what a lot of this feels like. You know, it, feel, it does feel to me like preaching to the converted. And there's nothing wrong with that. I'd argue that there was no real other way for P to progress at this point. They stayed true to their values, but in doing that, they set themselves directly against the mainstream. So when Golden Pleck asked Chuck D what has to happen for emerging artists to actually make a living from their work, he replied, they need to emphasize the artist as an act rather than an audio file. It has to capture its corner, make a video for every song, shoot it with a camera phone, learn how to promote your video, promote your record. So Am is not just meant to be an academic adventure for socialists. The interview with Melissa Locker actually tried to address how to affect change. And on this album, Chuck D helpfully shouts out a bunch of people he felt like deserve their own stamp. He shouts out a lot of people, man. There are so many people. And I don't know a lot of those people. Like that's also one of the values of this kind of album and going this deep into such a niche topic. You know, you're listening and you're like, well, I want to Google these people. I want to know who these people are so that I can understand why they're here to Chuck D so you're learning as you go which is you know typical of a PE album um, <clears throat> but yeah man it was great so then we get the evil empire of everything which is Charlie said it's the fraternal twin to their previous record now Chuck D said this um, they're fraternal twins they'll talk to each uh, to Huffington Post he said this they'll talk to each other and hope that you can listen in spit digital is probably the thing that we feel proudest about there's a cut off our second album and the single is called everything 
and this song is unlike any song I've ever done before. It's like if Otis Redding were alive today and he could spit, how would he do it? Kanye and Jay-Z tried to do Otis. It resonated nothing from the realm of Otis whatsoever, this will, which I thought was hilarious. Chuck D, bro, he just says shit, man. I love it. Um, he even threw a few strays at Eminem. The interviewer said Eminem seems to hate fame, and Chuck D replied, he needs to visit a hospital of ill kids. Too many people make excuses and say this is a curse. If it were up to me, I would take every single artist to a hospital of kids and I would take them every week until they start looking at themselves with a better perspective. Fucking wild, man. So, you know, I think for Chuck D to have such a, a long career and be so unfiltered as he is, I think that speaks to very high intelligence. Because if you're going to say wild stuff, you can't be wrong heaps. You know, especially if you're going to say it about other rappers. And he doesn't get criticized for being cringy or over the top, Chuck D. So, you know, I just want to big him up for that. And I like this album, man. I, I, I didn't really see the two records talking to each other in the way that Chuck D claimed they would. I don't know. It just didn't... I, I didn't I didn't get that. I don't know. I missed that in the listening. Maybe, maybe it was something that was there that I didn't hear. I don't know. <clears throat> Fair enough. Um, I'll probably agree with you, to be honest. I don't feel that had that um yeah well it wasn't exactly like uh uh sonically linked or anything where it was just like um yeah they just it, it didn't seem it didn't seem obvious let's just say that but then again some of this shit just ain't obvious <laughs> for, for for effect and for the purpose of it so um it is what it is. But anyway, uh, man plans a god laughs, um, which is apparently an English translation of a Yiddish proverb. Did not know that. Um, and yeah, this is kind of EP. I'm surprised. Uh, I mean, I know everyone, anyone could call anything an album, but this just screams EP to me. It's just 27 minutes. <laughs> it's very short. Um, I The only thing I rate about this album is more of just the... Just the creativity that Chuck D has just to create fucking words sometimes. Like, Core Plantationopoly, Earthism, uh, Earthism, whatever you want to call it. Um, it's just, I fuck with that heavy. Um, and the concept of a corporate plantation, I'm very here for. Um, I, I like how he created that. Um, but yeah, the album itself, uh, the album, quote unquote, itself is, um, it's fine. I didn't really get, um, too much uh, from it. Uh, Honky Tonk rule uh, rules uh, stayed with me for the wrong reasons, um, as po- uh, possibly because it's the longest track by far on the album, and it's right in the middle of the album. So it kind of just um, it kind of just stuck there in my head of just like it's like the best track, but for some reason it just sticks out uh, for those reasons. Um, but yeah, everything comes and goes pretty fast, and I feel like that's probably to the detriment of this, uh, project, because, yeah, just nothing, nothing sticks to me very quickly, um, kind of just washes over me very, in, in the two minute spaces that they're done, um, it's kind of just like, oh, okay, no, on the next one, and the next one, and the next one, and the next one, then before you know it, it's pretty much done, so... Yeah, Chuck D's explanation for this album is actually pretty fascinating. So I'm going to read the actual Wikipedia entry because it's actually all sourced properly. So it says, The album is a critique of corporate domination of the recording industry, what public enemy frontman Chuck D calls a corporate corporate plantation. According to Chuck D, CBS, RCA, and EMI, today's music biz, corporate plantation polys, 
corporate plantation of poly. So he's saying corporate. Okay, I get it. Instead of monopoly, he's saying corporate. Okay, there you go. <laughs> Takes me a little bit of time. Not on Chuck D's. I'm not on Chuck D's level. There. Okay, like. Uh, no, that's right. So he says they're Apple, Google, and Facebook. The pigs are walking as tall as the men, but it's impossible to say which is which. I feel like the government controls the media and the people are not being fed the truth. He said the album's title, Man Plans, God Laughs, was inspired by legendary basketball player Julius Irving, mentioning the proverb in the documentary about him titled The Doctor. Chuck D had narrated the project. i never seen it, but Chuck D said... so he ne- Really? No, no, I've never seen it. My basketball, basketball is not my... Uh, so Chuck D narrated it and he said, when Dr. J said it, he was referring to all his plans for him and his brother and then his brother passed away. That spoke volumes. The message I got from that was stay humble. He also included the song Mine Again, written 10 years earlier about African-Americans feeling conflicted about their African roots. So it was very interesting. Firstly, calling the music industry a corporate plantation. That's like, I've never heard that term used before. That's 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 amazing. Second, the animal farm reference, very appreciated um it's a very common saying you know this one uh, i enjoyed the album a lot i thought it was solid as fuck um and i really just like the messages man he does say so he talks about the um he talks about the length so he says that they intentionally did it a lot shorter because they felt like their previous albums were too long and people weren't capable he said we wanted to do a whole bunch of 90 second cuts and couldn't pull it off the closest we came was doing two minute cuts the whole album clocks in at 29 minutes, which wasn't an easy goal. Um, but yeah, man, he, he yeah, I, I thought it was weird. He even said at one point that he wanted to get rid of the third verse. So in an interview, he said, in most rap songs, the third verse is excess. And so they were just like, well, don't need the third verse for some. And I'm like, no, we need the third verse. It's the whole point of my fucking account, like the third verse. So yeah, man, I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the album. Um, but yeah, I think... The statements around it, because I read so much about it beforehand, I thought it was going to be some something crazy, but it wasn't that crazy at all. Like there were a lot of thought clearly went into the messaging around it, um, but maybe the execution didn't quite match that. I'm not sure. And then we get nothing is quick in the desert, which is a great title. I like this title. Um, yeah, this is um, this is good. I like this album actually. Um, it's funny he says that in terms of uh, you know trying to make their shit shorter but i feel like <laughs> everything but that album i pretty much enjoy for the most part um but yeah no this is a, this is a good album i like this album um i like the features on it especially ice t and pmd on smash the crowd jahi who kind of uh um doesn't take the role of um of uh fucking hell <laughs> <laughs> flavor flavor new boys but how can i forget flavor flavor yeah, i'm not sure um it's just completely gone it's not unique enough um but yeah jahi comes through is kind of just like the number two uh batsman uh behind chuck d uh for a lot for uh, in this era especially um but yeah uh, regardless of that um pretty solid i like jahi's cool um Soleil on a sock med digital heroin. I think it was a really good track. I was very fascinated. Cells like teens hear it. Very good fucking title again. Once again, terrorist. Great fucking track. Um, great name as well. Um, but yeah, it's a it's this is this is this is we'll 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 get to the we'll get to the last album, which is funny to me. But um, yes, for this album in particular, uh, with the tracks that come through. And uh, with um, no hindsight at all, yes, it is a good album, I think. 
Yeah, this was actually a surprise album. Um, so Chuck D said this is the title when speaking to Rolling Stone. Nothing is quick in the desert is a saying I use when the average person looks at the record industry. It looks dead like a desert, but there's plenty of life in the desert when one is educated on what they see and hear. A cactus absorbs water deep in its root taken from the air itself, and certain creatures thrive in that dry heat, whereas the average cannot. It pays to be above average or well below it. In the desert for survival, I really liked or well below it. The music industry is similar in that analogy. It's still emotion. It just needs redefinition. Today, important things that are said must also be heard, especially in the desert, a place where a breath of fresh air is wished upon and water is prayed for. I really like that. I thought it was a very solid concept. Um, I do commend them for circling around the industry and having the energy and the patience to continue despite things not really changing on a large scale, you know. This album celebrated their 30th anniversary. And you might think it's a bit one-dimensional for a group who left the major label system because they despised it. Still taking aim at it in 2017. And I only say that for people who've never listened to PE before. Maybe you're sitting at home and being like, they're still going at them? Holy shit. But to me, it's just indicative of the need for this type of message to this very day. I don't think that... Any PE album I've listened to, I've never sat there and been like, oh, gosh. And you got to remember, I listen to all these albums back to back to back to back to back. So I've listened to like however many, like 15 or however many they have in a two-week period. And for no point during that time, I was like, oh, I'm getting a bit bored of Chuck D. Or I'm getting a bit bored of this production. Never. Like, it's wild. So, you know, I, I thought this was a great fucking album. I really enjoyed it. Um, You know, he was just taking aim at everything. He's just taking aim at... You know, the the industry is a desert, right? To the untrained eye, it's just Drake, Travis, Cardi, and Kanye. But to the trained eye, you can see slow shifts in sound. You can pick up on markers that are changed to mainstream rappers imminent, for example. You know, lyrical lemonade flopping. Whilst it's a bit of a blessing, it's also an indication that, you know, that DJ Khaled get every single song on a different playlist method from the mid-2010s is probably starting to, you know, disappear. 21 Savage choosing not to do a straight trap-based record and to incorporate more samples into his music says to me that the shift of the underground into the mainstream is already happening. And I think that that was, you know, part of the concept of this record, you know, to talk about that and to shed light on it. So... I appreciate that from Chuck D. It was a it was a solid concept and a solid album. And then we get we do enemy radio. Yeah, loud is not enough. <clears throat> yeah, so this comes off the back of a, a legal dispute. Um, so at this point, they named themselves Enemy Radio. And funny enough, <laughs> I went to a show called God's a Rap a few years ago, and uh, it was DJ Premier, De La Soul, Wu Tang, and Enemy Radio. <laughs> because <laughs> they couldn't use public enemy uh, so they had to do enemy <laughs> radio um and you know this is where um, we get a lot of uh, the a lot of the uh jahi uh chuck d back and forth um which for the most part as it pertains to this album i don't mind actually um it's an interesting dynamic change of course um compared to you know the tried and true chuck d doing science and then easy uh, why do I want to say Easy E? Uh, Flavor Flay. I've thought uh, Flavor, to say Flavor. that a few times though. I don't know why. Like it's just I don't know. That's I've, happened to me. I think um I think it's because I literally l- listened to the last album today, and he mentions Easy E a couple yeah. times, and so that's why he's in my head. But um yeah, so you know the the dynamics change here um as to you know how 
enemy radio does it um but i'm actually into it i'm into a lot of these tracks um std slavery transmitted disease again great wordplay uh, wasn't too i like food as a machine gun in the sense in in the in the verses wasn't too into it as a hook but there's also that element of repetitiveness sometimes when we had we just had fast food we were just talking about fast food now we're talking about food as a machine gun and i can't and i'm not going to say they can't talk about the same things twice of course they can if they want to but i guess it was just um in the close proximity of me listening to both of them mm-hmm. it's just like oh okay so it's fast food part two basically mm-hmm. um lock your wheels i was into uh man listen i think is good as well so yeah there's some there's some good tracks in here um well meaning um especially in terms of its overall subject matter from song to song um so yeah man solid solid album and does this mean i haven't seen public enemy live or uh, we're, we're going to be fine with that right guys right i can i can yeah. say i've seen public enemy live <laughs> you saw enemy radio live you seen i saw enemy, enemy radio <laughs> who the fuck's enemy radio <laughs> <laughs> they got an album oh, called loud is not enough <laughs> yeah have you heard it? <laughs> so this was weird, all right? This this whole thing was so weird. So Flav was kicked out of the group by Chuck D, right, after an alleged fracas at a Bernie Sanders rally. Now, there's literally nothing more 2020 than being at a Bernie Sanders rally. I, I think in decades to come, you'd be like, what were you doing in 2020? It was a Bernie Sanders rally. Like, everyone was at a Bernie Sanders rally. So the backstory was very deep. Flav allegedly took offense to Bernie Sanders using the name Public Enemy to promote a rally. Flav was so unhappy, in fact, allegedly, he took legal action against Sanders. It was wild. The aforementioned social media was lit the fuck up with Chuck D and Flavor Flav going back and forth. It was actually headline news. And then it turned out it wasn't news at all. It was an April Fool's joke. So Chuck D has even said in some interviews it was a reflection of how stupid the media are to just run with a story with no checks whatsoever which is very rife, like I will agree. Um, but I don't know, if you're seeing something like that, I don't think you're going to just be like, oh, okay, yeah, this is not real. I don't know, it's just it was a bit confusing. It was a very odd way to um, to have this rollout. And Flav was still tweeting out after. They had no idea that he was even part of the hoax, even after Chuck D revealed it. So <laughs> it's almost like Chuck D just had a little little story for himself over there. And honestly, I think the album gets caught up in the insanity of the 2020s because one day it would be fascinating to look back on the influence of the pandemic that it had on everything. No one gave a fuck about anything that happened prior to the pandemic, during the pandemic. You know, we were all white-knuckling that shit every day. So for PE to drop an album aimed at corporate greed and global issues right on the doorstep of the pandemic, I certainly think in years to come I want to, like listen back to it and see how it feels because you know i I don't know that it got because i didn't see anyone talking about it on twitter so i don't know that it because it came right in the middle of the pandemic i'm not sure that it hit the way it should have um but yeah i think they just got their timing a bit messed up on this one it's a solid album it's just the rollout was just yeah it was just a bit odd but then we get their most recent which you can do when the grid goes down um which uh does have a really good um title track for it i mean it's called, it's titled grid but it's you know basically the 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 hook is basically the title um flavor flavor's back Yay! he's hey. he's back for this one um he's returned uh, there i think there was a point where it was like uh flavor flavor's fired and that was like a joke it or certainly just like, sounds you know, like uh, it it's weird it like, yeah so um 
Well, it is what it is. Um, but yeah, this album. Okay, I remember listening to this album, and I remember viewing it for this episode uh, for for the pod, and I remember enjoying it um, because you know there's, there's there are some you know there's some tracks on here. I think Grid with Cypress Hill and George Clinton's really good. I really enjoy that one. Um, but then I just realised in hindsight, now that I've listened to all the Public Enemy albums, um, a lot of these are just retreads. Um, Public Enemy number one with Mike D. Adrock and Run DMC is literally Public Enemy number one. <laughs> and I'm not complaining too much, but having Yesterday Man here, having Beat Them All, having Smashed the Crowd uh, here... Uh, if you can't beat them, which I know is 50, 50 seconds, but it's, you know it's going literally back to the track that was just played two two tracks ago. I'm just like, okay, why was that a thing? Um, you know, the Fight the Power remix is cool. I like it. Nas Rhapsody, Black Thought, Jahi, YG, Questlove on there. It's really good. It's really fascinating. Um, State of the Union, I don't mind, uh, but I just found the hook a little eh. Um, oh, do you know what? <laughs> it's the funniest thing. So I just saw a Chris Martin as a writer on that track, and I was like, yeah. "Who the fuck's Chris? You don't mean that Chris Martin, right?" <laughs> and no, it's um, that's this DJ Premier's uh, birth name. I did not learn something new every day because I just saw Chris Martin, and my eyes bulged. I did not know that was Primo's first name. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "What? No what way!" Do you mean? Um, Christopher yeah, Edward so. Martin. That's wild. Yeah. When was Chris Martin born? <laughs> they must be like similar age. Oh, no, they're not similar ages. Christopher Anthony John Martin, Christopher Edward. Weird. That's creepy. Okay. I'm going to I'm gonna tweet that. Yeah, so, yeah, that threw me off for half a second there just on these uh, as I'm looking at the credits here. But, yes, um, I just feel it gives off Revolution vibes um, sometimes. But, yeah, this this album was... It, at first, when I listened to it, without the listening of other albums before it, um, I know this is part. I get, I'm assuming this is because obviously this album's via Def Jam, and you know I don't know what the deal was on that front in terms of what this was going to be, but it's uh, I don't know. Just the fact that I listened to a lot of the tracks beforehand on other albums kind of just seemed a little bit lazy on my on, in my eyes. Um, they're not bad tracks for, 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 for the most part, but I don't, I'm not, Yesterday Man wasn't that good, <laughs> you know what I mean? Beat Them All, Smash The Crowd wasn't that good to tra- tracks to have them on an album a couple years later. Um, that's just, uh, I don't know, I just found that a bit jarring. Um, but, you know, Grids, uh, I guess number one again is good, um, but yeah. Like go get go at it with Jahi is good. So yeah, there's some good tracks on here, but I just found um uh, yeah, I just found the repetitiveness um of some tracks just a little unwanted on my front. So yeah. I really did love the title again. The title I think I think it kinda updates their focus a little more. Like rather than the past or present, we've we've kind of moved into the future, which is something that Chuck D touched on during the previous record on the Kids Ain't Alright. Um but, you know, it's a little bit of a different issue altogether. And the title kind of evokes images of, you know, just people kind of losing their logic and rationality. I think it's a very, very evocative title. Um, you know, what are you going to do when the grid goes down? Like, what would happen? It it kind of makes you think, oh, wow, how essential is this 
to our daily life. Like, you know, Chuck D even introduced characters who could make something like that happen, like contemporary characters. It's a very dark record. It's a very, it's you know, it's a bit of a left turn. I think most of us, well, at least me, I was kind of expecting Chuck D's takedown of the pandemic. I was very curious to hear his perspective. Uh, maybe he's given it in interviews and I missed it. But this record was not what I expected. I love it. It's very dark. And, you know, look, I'm just going to say I love their catalog so much. I think it's potentially one of the greatest in hip-hop history. And I mean, like, I to me anyway, I know that there's a lot of repetition and I know that it got a lot looser towards the end. But that's what I like. I like that. Like, I like that stuff. I don't need your albums to be 100% perfect. I want to hear you try shit and do weird shit. Um, to me, there were no bad albums. There were no mid-albums. They never settled into a groove. They have a sound and an aesthetic, but they, they don't stray too far from it. But... That's always been the goal, you know, find the music and the message and the message is eternal. And as PE age, their message ages with them and evolves as the world evolves and they're essential, man. I, you know, I think it was, was it you last week? Maybe it was someone else saying that Chuck D is going to be making music until, I think it might've been in an interview, Chuck D said it. He was just like, I'm going to be making music until I, I'm not here anymore. So got plenty of PE I, stuff I also to come. did say, I also did say that, <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> It, it wouldn't shock me. Like it wouldn't shock me. I'm not. Sure. Yeah, I, I won't be shocked. No. That, um. You know, for all for all of the, I do think there's some mid here. Um. I will say. You know, I'm not. Uh, none of them. Are, none of the albums are bad. Um. In in with context added. Um. But there are a couple mid projects for me. But with that said, I can't. I can't really. I can't praise this group enough as an essence and. Uh, with a with a very bold um, way of doing things, of course, and in some ways bravery, because uh, you know there's a lot of um, there's a lot of acts that would just that just can't wouldn't think of doing shit like this, wouldn't think of it. Uh, we 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 respect um you know we respect people that go down the independent route right but it's a road that is going to be more travelled as the years go by and that's a good thing in my mind yeah. um but it is a road is a road that's going to be increasingly more travelled and becomes less brave um but in public enemy's case it's a it's a it's an it's a it's more of a conversation the conversation is different it's more of a conversation of these guys could have easily just owned the 90s if they wanted to but they decided not to um and for about 10 years after apocalypse fit 91 people were just like what the fuck are these guys doing yeah oh they they they, why don't they just do nation the millions five times like why don't they just do that you know everyone was asking these questions and critics were getting irritated because they kept shooting at critics and they were like you know i'm gonna be more angry at you because you're not doing good work yeah um and they're getting bitchy and <laughs> public enemy just keeps going and keeps going and keeps going. And like you said, there is an evolution in in these uh, in these works. And a lot of these works that we talked about today for this episode, uh, a lot of um, you know, the the they they do go with the times in some ways, especially in subject matter. Um, and they do so with creative. Uh, we have with creative flair. Um, do some of them hit? Yeah. Some of them miss? Yeah. But um, it's it's the like you said, it's the attempt. It's the attempt to evolve. It's the attempt to keep going, and they do so. Um, and I can't I can't praise the likes of Chuck D and 
DJ Lord, Flav, and the entire group to, to as much as possible because they're the collective, um, the collective uh, shedding of skin in some ways to go from one thing to the next thing to the next thing and have all of these you know independent ventures um, is respectable. And I can imagine Tech Nine fans going like, "Well, Tech Nine's doing it and making money." But yeah. you know, it is what it is. I'm sorry, I'm not. I'm uh, I, different, I, different, I completely different. It is different. Tech Nine different, started you know. independent. He'd been independent his whole career. Yeah, Public yeah, Enemy started no, no, at the top. It's you know, it's just different. It's, it's different. It's different. I'm not making a comparison. But yes, um, it's a, it's a. The, yeah, and you know the fact that Public Enemy were at the top at one point, and they just willingly gave that away in some sense is completely admirable and i'm here for that um will i listen to all these albums again <laughs> all 15 of them no uh, <laughs> but it's 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 another check i think uh, on the on the list uh, for this. this is a big checklist uh, for for me personally um i knew this day would come where i'm listening to all public enemies work finally and actually get through all of it and uh and appreciate it um, for what it is because um, you you see sometimes you see these records and you see just you see them come around and it just comes through with a little bit of uh, either just surprise that they're still going or something or some other different emotion but you know I feel it's good to it's good to have that under the belt to say that I've listened to all these records and will continue to listen to Public Enemy whenever they come through um, because it's a message always worth hearing um, and it'll always be done in a unique way uh, maybe not in the best way for my subjective taste but it'll be done in a way that will be different from the rest of them um, and to say that a group that is over 30 years old uh, collectively are still trying to do stuff that other people ain't um, is testament, I think. Testament to their legacy and as a creative force. Absolutely. 100%. Shout out Public Enemy. And we might potentially end this episode before 60 minutes. We shall see. <laughs> How far are we? Uh, we're getting there. But yeah, but, um, by the time you've heard this episode, guys, by the time this episode drops, Ben will be touched down Oof. in London City. Um, his pasty white skin will be just as pasty when it gets back because there'll be fuck all sunlight. <laughs> Actually, uh, I think you'd be a bit shocked. My skin's not very pasty. I'm quite, quite tan, bro. I think I'm going to die of skin cancer at yeah, some point. Yeah, I, I can life. see it. I think I might die of skin cancer at some point in my life. Jesus Christ. Okay. <laughs> but, <laughs> I'm terrified, man. I won't, I won't get on this flight. I'm scared of the flight. I'm so scared of flying. I don't think people know how terrified really? I am. Okay. Well, it's not that I'm scared we're going to die because I don't care really if I die. I just am scared of having a mad panic attack in the middle. And because this happened to me multiple times. The last time I came to England, I had a bells and whistles panic attack to the point where they had to bring the oxygen out for me. Like, it was a complete mess. I'm a mess, man. I'm going to be so drugged up. So, I'm just scared of being cold, too. I don't want to get cold. But anyway, whatever, whatever. I'm not scared. I'm happy. I'm excited. It's I'll be I'll be in London in, like, fucking 72 hours or something crazy like that. I'll be in Elephant and Castle. And uh, it's exciting, man. You guys are going to get a live pod. You're going to get an actual fucking Charlie and I in the same... Multiple pods of us in the same room together. It's going to be crazy. <clears throat> Yeah, so on that front, um, 
we're going to have a couple of those. And uh, in March, uh, we'll be starting our Women's History Month um, as usual. Um, so we'll be, I don't know whether we probably, is it, it might probably, I mean, this is for us to talk about, not you, not to you guys, but it's probably worth at some point, uh, maybe getting started on that. Mm. Um, but yes, you'll have at, at minimum, um, at minimum two episodes, uh, with us in person. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's just going to be, I mean, I'll be real with you guys. It's not, um, the episode's are something that we will do obviously and we'll you know and we'll have good chats and um and uh, just enjoy being in the company of each other for the first time in person mm-hmm. um but to be honest i'm just looking forward to um just uh just seeing the homie in person yeah, to be man. honest it's exciting it's, uh, it's interesting it's, it's gonna be interesting seeing that the fact that i've seen this dude um in the past four or five years uh just on a on my computer screen and uh, I'll be seeing his lanky ass in person. Yeah, it's and, weird, uh, right? Because <laughs> you you are, you are tall, isn't it? You're like six what six four what six four six four geez. But this I, feel like you're, I feel like you're tall. Me, I feel like you're tall. I'm not. I'm six. I'm six foot solid. I'm six foot solid. See, that's um, still so tall, man. That's still pretty tall. It's 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 above average, and you know, I passed the I passed the female test of uh, six six, six, uh, six foot. foot or nothing. Yeah. Um. So you know, that's that's a check. That's a tick. <laughs> it's a massive box, tick, isn't it? Like, I, I massive always, tick. I'm always like critical of people who are like, well, you shouldn't be, you, you know. But uh, I'm like, oh, thank God, I'm tall. I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, I could I couldn't care less, but that's because I am six foot. <laughs> if I was five eleven, maybe I'd be sweating about it more. Um, but it's funny. It's fu- It's uh, I guess that's the what's the what's the, that's a privilege thing. I guess. Yeah. Um, but honestly, it's fu- guys, guys. If you're under six foot, it's okay. Don't worry. It's, it's a joke. Yeah, it's a joke for the most part. If 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 a woman actually doesn't fuck with you because you're under six foot, then yeah. that's it. Let's just take that's take that. Take that to the person. bank. Like, you dodged a bullet. Get rid you of dodged them. A bullet, okay? you, you really have. That's genuine. a red flag. For if them, you're at okay? home and you're like, all these women keep rejecting me for being under six foot. Good. Don't date them. Yeah. Th- don't date those yeah. women. They're you, bad you, yeah. people. That's a red flag for you, geezer. Okay. Exactly. If they actually take that to heart, then oh. that's on them. All right. Definitely. Don't worry about it. Definitely. Um, shout to the short kings out there. But do not get heightening surgery, or I will roast you for that. Yeah, I'll don't get that. that. If you pay thousands of dollars to raise your height, depending on how short you, you are, because depending on how short you are and how much it's affecting your, uh, no, if just, it's affecting no, your well being, no, live with you got. If ain't if ain't a if ain't a um a uh, an ailment of any fashion, then you know it's if it ain't killing you, then stick with what you got, please, please do so, because I will roast you if you <laughs> spend tens of thousands raising your fucking height a couple of inches, please. I will roast you. Believe that. But anyway, yeah. So um, yeah, it's gonna be interesting. Um, seeing the homie four inches taller than me, yep. towering over me, yep. and uh, that'll be that'll be <laughs> that'll be funny as hell. Um. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, we'll, we'll we'll leave it there, and we'll see we'll see how the week goes, and um, see how Ben acclimatizes. Mm-hmm. Um, see how many times he tells me it's cold. Yep, that'd um, be To be fair, is it's, it... it's, I think it's been the warmest February um, on record. So take that some some Bro, way. Thirteen, uh, I can handle thirteen. It's thirteen okay, today. Yeah, that's it's, right. it's, yeah, it's three layers. You'll be good. You're three yeah, layers. That sounds fine. all right. You'll be fine. That sounds um, fine. The, the highs and lows. The highs and lows this month has been very favourable um, to somebody like me who does not like cold weather. Um, 
this clearly says something about the climate and where it's going. Um, but yep. shit, bruv, I'm, I can't help but take it. I can't help but accept it. Oh, no, I'm not going to cry over 13 degrees. Look, I'm sorry. this is a nice not. little period in here, but it's going to get worse in like 20 years' time. So just enjoy this nice warm period. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, yeah. enjoy this um, Enjoy this mild weather. You guys overseas in, in like colder countries are like, this is chill. In Australia, it's fucking 50 degrees on a Tuesday. And we're like, no, this is not chill, guys. We're far, we're gonna die. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that'll kill people exactly. So, um, as the summers get increasingly le- uh, less uh, tolerable, um, with uh, which I'm assuming there's going to be multiple 40, 40 degree days in the UK. Yeah, that'll be uh, fun. In, re- in, in <laughs> as of last year, um, as those come and as people die of heat stroke, um, no, be no, nobody will be uh, complaining about heating anymore. Nope. That'll, that'll, that'll become a lesser lesser thing because shit will be 15 degrees and uh, and cool as shit. So, yep. uh, yeah, we'll take that as it goes. But anyway, enough of the climate talk. Mm-hmm. We have an episode to finish. So, with that said, ladies and gentlemen, from the Fifth End Podcast Network, it's been Digging Digits. I'll be joining this episode. I'll be trying to tell the Fifth Element. I've been Kyle for Bottom Numbers. Live and in person for the next two slash three weeks. We shall see how it goes. But until then, hope you all have a good week. Wish I was trying to do the same. Have a nice flight, Ben. But until the next time, take it easy and enjoy. Alright, peace. Digging in Digits is produced by me and Ben Carter. The show is edited by me. Music for the show is produced video games by bonus points. Thanks to Chill Hop Music for the ability to use. Socials for the Fenomen, Hip Hop by Numbers, bonus points, and Chill Music will be in the full show notes as well as the names of projects reviewed wherever you're listening. This has been a 5 EPM production. Thanks for spending time with us, and we shall see you next time live and in person on Digging in Digits.